Tonight we want to start a new series called Game On. And we're going to be looking at the life of Daniel. And I just want to show a short video of where we're going to be going with this series. So, David, if you would... All right, so like I said, we're going to be looking at game on. And the first thing I want to ask you is, some of us, we have some sports people in this room. Who plays sports in this room? All right, almost everybody, yeah. Almost everybody plays sports. All right, that's a, that's a sporting crew. I like that. But let me add the question. What do you do before you go into a game? You have a what? You warm up, Okay. Maybe you don't do this yet, but there's something else you do. You have a, let's see, Chris, what do you do before you go into a game? You have a what? Huh? A what? A quote? That's not the answer I was looking for. A game, what, huh? Game plan, thank you. You have a game plan. You go into a game with a game plan. If you play softball, you always remember who is the best hit on the team. So what you'll do is you'll try to what? Pitch around them, right? You won't pitch... Yeah. You won't pitch them the best pitch right down the middle of the plate. But you know with a dead batter, you can do whatever you want to them. You can pitch in the slowest lob, you can do whatever you want, and they can strike out. They can't play anyway. Right? You know those type of players. If you play soccer, you have a game plan. You know who the best player is on the team. So what do you do? You mock that person. You know we can't let so-and-so get the ball. We try our best not for that. Same thing with basketball. If you know Kevin is the six foot seven inch guard and not point guard, even point guard forward. You ain't I mean honestly, what you could try to do to him? I mean I gotta try double team or something. We gotta do something. You have a game plan. And tonight we want to look at game on. We want to start off by looking at game on. I think we have some technical difficulties as usual. But, any, huh? I don't mean anything to you. I mean the computer, though. 
It's nothing to do with the media guy. This is the computer. Oh, Nightbot. All right, well. I just want to be ashamed. No, I ain't. No. All right. Anyway. See, we could, we could, anyway, we just leave. We'll leave it right there. But you have a game plan. You go into it with the game plan. You go with into it wondering what are we going to do. Like I said, we look at the life, we're going to be looking at the life of Daniel. First of all, we need to understand where Daniel was. And first of all, we need to understand that first of all, we have a playbook. And each of us as a Christian, our playbook is what? The Bible. So you go to the playbook. Maybe when you think about the Bible, it seems like an outdated black and white book. Maybe you have opened it and hoping for a life-changing moment and closed it without anything magical happening. How many of you, when you open up the Bible, you just want some magic just to happen? Like something just to change and everything to just be okay. Anyone like that? Yeah, you know, you want, you want the Bible, you open it sometimes, and you're like, I read that verse and I just got to hope everything works out. And, you know, that's how sometimes we want it. But what we realize is that as we think of it, it doesn't always happen when we want it to happen. It's about building a foundation, preparing us for a game time. Daniel was a young Jewish boy in a tough spot, armed only with his knowledge of Scripture. Daniel's life and faith flourished because he was prepared when it was game on. You see, for me and you, when we think of life, and we think of the problems that come in life, where do we fall? What do we fall on? I want you to imagine yourself a second in school. When the pressures of school life comes on, when the pressure of friends come on you, where do you turn? Because you know what? If we are all honest in this room, we are all in a game. And for some of us, instead of being game on, when our friends pressure this game over. Because our faith just shrinks. Our faith just goes away. Because you know why? We haven't built it on the foundation. And that's why tonight the main point is this. Our faith grows when, the Bi- when we apply the Bible to our lives. You see, like I said, we sometimes read the Bible and expect something magical to all of a sudden happen. When we only take about two minutes to read one verse, and we think, oh, you know, that's enough. We think, oh, if I just do my five-minute quiet time, that's enough for me to get a foundation. Let me ask you a question. If you had to study for five minutes for a test, what would happen? Fail. Huh? It depends. I know some people are just naturally smart and you don't have to study. And I hate the people like that. You know, you just, you know, like, you, you know, those people who like, they don't have to study at all and they could get an A and you're like, I have to study for hours? I never say for hours. I got to admit. But I, you know, you, you have to study so hard and you still only get a C. You know, that's like very hard. But that's what happens to us. You know, we expect to study God's Word for five minutes and know it all. Like we, we have it all together. It doesn't work that way. And that's what Daniel understood. And that's why we, when we look at the book of Daniel, we're gonna, it begins, and we have to understand as we look at it, it begins by telling a story of a Jewish man and his friends who held on to their faith during one of the most difficult times of life. You see, we have to recognize that even in the difficult times, there's only one thing that we can hold on to, and that is the Bible. During this time, how many of you ever heard of the Babylonians? There was a big war going on. That's why this whole thing is called captive. They were captive. They were captured. Daniel and three of his friends. And who were those three friends? We know they're... How many of y'all know the other names? Anyone know the... 
Nobody knows the other hands that we can look at tonight, eh? You don't know them, eh? Yeah, I, I figured that, because that's why we have a hero. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's see, Drew, you know? No way. See that? Even Drew doesn't know. And if Drew doesn't know, you know, nobody knows. But here it is. The kings didn't love God or take care of their people. They abused their power, caused wars, and worshipped other gods. And when they were conquered by the most powerful enemies on earth, and that's the Assyrians and the Babylonians, people were scattered from their homes and friends. It was tragic, and it caused many people to question, where was God? Have you ever been in a moment in your life and you wondered where God is? How many of you remember September 11? All, I know you're all younger than that, right? You're all too young to remember. But us older people in this room, we could tell you the ex- where we were at the exact time that happened. We, I mean, I remember being at Charles Carey and Son on Dowswell Street at 8.46 a.m. September 11, 2001 on a computer and, uh, and remembering my boss coming out and telling me that a plane just hit the World Trade Center. And you know, the first thing that we thought of was, well, you know what, that was just an accident. You know, because it never, we never seen it happen before. It was just an accident where somebody just missed it and ran a plane into a building. But then we saw it again, bam, 10 minutes later, at 8.57 a.m., the next plane hit the World Trade Center. I do watch all the documentaries on 9-11. I, I, like to watch, I, I like to watch them. I mean, I'm, I'm sad for the people who died, don't get me wrong, but I just love to watch the documentaries. Anyone else with me on that? Is that going to see all? Yeah, yeah. But it's a sad thing. You know, it's a, it was a sad thing. But we remember these things. We remember the bad times of life. We remember where we were when these things happened. And sometimes the first question that comes up was, where is God? That's what people thought in 9-11, and that's probably what these people are thinking. Where is God in all this? Here it is, we've been captured. Now we have to work as slaves. We have, we've been scattered away from family. What are we going to do? Where are you, God? Even though I'm trying to do all I can to follow him. As we know, many of the people were forced to live with Babylonians as slaves. Daniel was one of these. He must have wondered what to make and what he felt that God was trying to teach him. What was God trying to teach him? God, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to live my life for you. I'm trying to do all I can for you. What do you want from me? Which brings us to our text tonight. As we think of Daniel chapter 1, and if you have your Bible, you can turn to Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, and it starts off like this. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king, about which the king inquired of him. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. Here it is. The king has ordered them to eat this food. They're on a particular diet. This is what you need to eat. This is the food you are supposed to eat. It was, some, it was meat, you know, and I don't know about you, but I love meat. You know, who loves meat? Anyone else love meat? Yeah. But here it is. The king had them kind of on like a vegetarian, you know. Here it is, Daniel and them were like, they were like vegetarians. 
And they were like, you know, we don't want to eat the meat. That's what we feel that it will defile our bodies. And let me just give you the background of why they felt this way. If you know anything about the Bible, if you know anything about meat, sometimes they use the meat to give to idols. That was like a sacrifice to idols, the different meat. And so here it is, Daniel and them thought, look, I am not going to give, I'm not going to eat the meat that you give to idols, that you worship with. I'm not going to eat it. Me, all my friends will not eat it. We're not going to eat what you want us to. So here it is, the challenge is put on, and we're going to look at it in verse 11. They start off with a challenge. A challenge is given. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over, Daniel, Hananiah, see this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, I'm sure I pronounced them wrong, but anyway, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. I would already die right there. You know, I would probably die. Vegetable number one and water. It was, it was no Coke back then. If you know anything about me, you'll know, you'll learn I love Coke. Then verse 13 said, let, let our appearance and the appearance of the youth who eat the king's food observed by you and deal with your servant according to what you see. So we listen to them in the matter and tested them for 10 days. So here it is, Daniel throws out a challenge. He said, look, we're going to eat what we want to eat with the vegetables. You let your people eat the meat, and let's see what happens in 10 days. Let's see who's in better shape. Let's see what happens. Who looks better? That's what it, basically, he's throwing a challenge. Look, this is like the big 10-day challenge. You know if you go on Facebook now, these people have all these 30-day challenges to do your arms and do your abs and do everything else. But here it is, Daniel said, I'm going to throw the big 10-day challenge. Eat meat. You eat meat, I eat vegetables. Let's see what happens. And here it is. This is, this is what we see. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youth who ate the king's food. And that's kind of awkward than we would think about, right? What would we think if somebody ate vegetables for 10 days? They'd be skinnier, right? Than meat. I actually heard a doctor this week, and I was listening to Sports Radio 103.5, and they had a doctor on there, and they were talking about meat. And he said the reason that steak is called steak is because every time you eat steak, your life is at stake. And I was very hurt by that because I love steak. But he was saying that just it takes a long time to digest steak. It takes a long time to digest these things. So here it is. Like I said, we would think completely different. But we see that God has a better and bigger thing than we could even think about. So he said the stewards took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. And for these four youth, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Now I forgot to tell you something. Let me just tell you how we think. And this is how Daniel and them knew exactly that the meat was not for them to eat. When you were a Jewish boy, you, are, you had to learn, and I want you just to think about this for a second. They had to learn the books from Genesis to Deuteronomy. Does anyone know what the name is for those five books? They're called the what? The Pentateuch. Who said it? The Pentateuch. The Torah is well the law. Yeah, you could... But the Pentateuch is what the word I was looking for. But the Torah is it to the law. But they have to learn these particular books. I want you to imagine that for a second, that you learn all five of those books. How do we know right from wrong in this world? We have to what? Study what? 
How do we know right from wrong? How, what is your standard in life? Is it what your parents tell you to do? Yeah, yeah, Farley. You know, let's see. I mean, let's be real. Your parents tell you to be on 10 o'clock. You could be on what? 10 o'clock. You better not be on 10 o'clock. You better be on 9.55. <laughs> you know, you better be home five minutes early. But here it is again, like I'm saying, they knew everything about the Lord. They knew the Bible inside out. They knew these five books inside out. There was nothing that they did not know. And that's how they knew not to eat this meat. So as they went to this challenge, they saw the difference. And that's what we will see in these other verses at the end of the challenge. Verse 19. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. We see exactly, they followed God. They followed God's law. They followed what God wanted them to do. And what happened? They were ten times better than everyone else. Which brings us to this point to think about. Who are we going to follow? When, the, when there's game on, when we have to pick and choose which way we're going to go, who are we going to follow? Are we going to follow man? Or are we going to follow God? Are we going to follow man's law? Or are we going to follow God's law? You see, this is what Daniel and his friends followed. They knew God's word. Not only that they knew it, but they applied it. Which brings us to our application as we think about, what are we going to do? What about you? How are you? How well do you know God's word? As it says this, so what about you? What next? Only eat vegetables? Of course. I don't expect no one in here just to go home now and tell your parents, Mommy, Daddy, I'm only eating vegetables. That would be a good thing though, but I mean... I know it's probably not going to happen, but you know that's, that's not the whole point of this story. The whole point isn't for everybody in this room to just say, I'm going to turn a vegetarian. That's not the point. The point is that we must apply God's Word. We must understand that it's God's Word that changes us. As we think of, of, of when this game on, I want you to apply this, and let's tackle this in three simple steps. First of all, get a Bible. You know, and, and I know sometimes we may think, and you may say, well, Nicholas, that's a dumb thing. We all have a Bible. But guess what? I don't take nothing for granted. Because there are many people that may have a Bible, but don't use it. You know, they may, have, they may not even have a Bible. You know, I don't take for granted everyone in this room has a Bible. Although, almost everybody in this room probably has an iPod, and you could get a Bible on your iPod and different things. But I don't just assume that everyone has a Bible because I think that's a problem with our nation today in the Bahamas. We think because we live in a Christian nation, everyone's a Christian. That's what we think sometimes. But if we know anything, that's far from the truth. I don't know about you, but when I open up the newspaper today and see 12 murders in 13 days, it's a serious thing. We have gone away from God's Word. We have gone away from applying God's Word. Second of, second of all, 
pick a place to start reading your Bible. Pick a place, a quiet place. You know, one thing I will not recommend you do is this. Have the TV on, watching MTV Music Awards, and read your Bible. You know, you don't want to do that. First of all, you shouldn't watch the MTV Music Video Awards because it's a terrible thing. For anyone who watched it, I didn't watch it. I just, everyone who, I didn't have to watch it. I know everything about it by the internet. But you want to find a quiet place. You want to find somewhere where you could really concentrate. You want to find a place where you could spend time with God. The Bible says to be still and know that I am God. You know, for me, some of the most, the best times I have with God, and let me just say, I don't love to run. I don't like running. But it's just being alone and running sometimes. You know, just have some headphones on running, and, and, and that's some of the best times I have with God because everything is just out of my way. I'm not thinking about nothing. Only thing I may be thinking about is not to pass out, but I'm concentrating on God. I'm focusing on Him. You know, because that's when we get right with God, when everything is quiet. That's when, that's when it's the best time. Also, a lot of times I know for young people, you may think, well, where do I start to read the Bible? Because, it's, it, you know, I'm going to be honest. How many of you feel about the Bible is very hard to understand? And, that why, and that's probably why you don't read it. Is that, let, let me add a question, and be honest with me. You don't read your Bible because it's hard to understand. Anyone there? Let's be real. Anyone honest? No one's honest. We've got a couple honest people. Don't, don't be scared. You know, but this is where we, we're going to get to that. But this is what I would suggest to you. And this is just a couple of different books that you could read. Proverbs. You know, the book of Proverbs, Psalms, John, and Philippians. The book I'd recommend you read first is probably the Gospel of John. Because it tells you the whole Gospel. It tells you the whole ministry of Jesus. I would really recommend And the reason I say... Proverbs is because a lot of people, what they do is they'll read a proverb a day of a month. Anyone know how much Proverbs it is? 31. 31. So if you have a month, you can read the Proverbs. That makes sense. Philippians is only a short, short book, four chapters. Very powerful book, The Life of Paul. So this is just some suggestions for you. And the third thing is this. Ask questions. When you get to a verse that makes no sense to you, or if it makes sense, ask yourself a couple of questions and, and get you thinking, what is the passage saying to me? What do I feel that the passage is saying? And that's why I'm saying, what happens a lot of times is, we'll take the Bible and say, oh, I'm going to read this this morning. Isaiah 14, 22. Bible rise up against it as the Lord the host, and cut off from Babylon the aim and remnant, and the offspring posterity says the Lord. The end. That's my devotion for the day. How many of you have ever done that? Let's be real. Yeah, you know, you've done that. You open the Bible, read one verse. Oh, that's enough for the day. And you know what? You don't have no idea what that even meant. Because you have no context to the whole thing. So that's the question you'd ask. What is the pastor saying? And then the second thing is this. What is the pastor saying to me? How can I apply this? How can I apply God's word to my life? And then the last thing is this. If you get to a verse... And you read it and you just say, you know what, I have no understanding of what it means. And I'm not going to tell you I'm a theologian and I know everything about the Bible. But what I would recommend you do is write that verse down. Come to youth group, come to Sunday school and say, um, let's see, who can I use? Thaddeus, do you know what this verse is trying to say? 
And Thaddeus may not have the answer. He may have the answer. But we will try to find the answer for you. We will try to help you and show you from God's word what it's saying. We're not just going to be like the genie and just say, Oh yeah, what does it say? And then be like, Oh, you know it all. No, we, none of us know it all. I can't tell you I know every answer to your question. But we will try our best as youth leaders to guide you and, and help you to know what God's word says. So tonight, as you think of game one, as you think of the first part as we look at Daniel, as he was taken captive and he understood that God's word was the only thing that he could hold on to, me and you need to understand that as well. In times like this, in our world today, as we think of, like I said, we look in our newspaper, turn on the news, we are living in a sad state right now. And there's only one place that we can find hope. That's in God and His Word. So as we think of uh, the last thing we want to think about tonight is this. There may be days when the Bible doesn't seem relevant to your life. But remember, you are building a foundation for your faith. And one day it will be game on. And you'll be in a situation where the pressure's on. It may not feel as intense as it did for Daniel. And your life itself may not be on the line. But your faith might be. Your faith grows when you apply the Bible to your life. That's when you find yourself like Daniel. Stronger than you ever would have been. Have thought you could be. You see, that's the point. It's times in, in my life that I could honestly say that I don't have no clue where words may have come from. It's only come from God. It's only come from His Word. And that's the only way that we could actually get to know God's Word is to study it. We can't just expect that we never study God's Word that the Holy Spirit can bring verses in our minds to tell people. But we must study God's Word. So I challenge you tonight, if you have a Bible... If you don't have a Bible, come and see one of the youth leaders. We will see what we can do to get you a Bible. But I just want to say, remember, this here is your playbook. This is the thing that matters the most in your life. That you stand on this, God's Word, in all that you do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you again for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Father, we thank you that, Father, even when life itself just seems unreal, like we don't know what's going to happen, we can count on you. Father, we have your word to comfort us. But Father, for some of us in this room, we, don't, we can't even find comfort in your word because we don't know your word. We don't study your word. We don't even read it. Father, I pray for each one of us in this room that we would read your word and not just be hearers, but we'd be doers and that we'd apply your word to your, our lives. And we just thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.